Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 24 of Think Relevance, the podcast. Uh, a few things I want to mention before we jump into a pretty cool episode that we did back in November, recorded back in November. Um, first of all, I want to mention that uh, Russ Olson will be speaking at the Richmond Ruby User Group uh, in January 15th of 2013. Uh, we've got our, Timoth- our own Timothy Baldridge will be attending the Den of Closure meetup the 17th of January. There's the Triangle Closure User Group meeting um, at Relevance Headquarters in Durham on the 24th. So stop by and check out our office if you're in the area. That'd be cool. Uh, and then looking a little bit farther down the road, uh, Stu Holloway will be speaking in Atlanta February 18th at DevNexus. Uh, he'll be talking, uh, he's got a few talks, Closure in the Field, Concurrent Programming with Closure, and one that I think is particularly interesting uh, on simulation testing. Um, and then also, uh, I want to mention Closure West. Uh, we will be out in force at Closure West. Quite a few of us relevancers will be there talking about a number of things, uh, some very cool stuff I know uh, going on there, and they'll, we'll be talking more about that as that gets a little closer. Uh, the only other thing I want to mention is that we still have the discount code for Luke Vanderhart and Stuart Sierra's book, Closure Script Up and Running. Uh, that code is CJSUR, and you can redeem that at the O'Reilly uh, website. Uh, that's only good until February 1st, so if you want to take advantage of that, uh, you might want to hurry up, although I guess depending on when you're listening to this, <laughs> maybe it's already too late. But if it's not, you should uh, run out and check it up. It's, uh, it's a good book. Uh, so with that, we'll get to the episode, which, as I said, um, is one I thought was pretty great, um, if, if for no other reason, and there were a few reasons to like it, I think. Uh, it was uh, our very first episode with a customer. Um, really cool to get a chance to talk to the people that we do most of our work for. So uh, check it out, and uh, as always, thanks for listening. Alright, so welcome everyone to Think Relevance the Podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 14th, 2012. And today we have a very special treat. We are joined by Jay Patel and Ann Tweet. Welcome, welcome, welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So the reason that we're uh, as, as excited as we are to, uh, to have you on is that this is our first time on the show having uh, customers of Relevance, which is um, super exciting to us to have a chance to talk to you guys about the the really interesting stuff uh, the, that uh, we've been building together. So maybe I should start with uh, having you guys um, explain who uh, who you are and who the what the project is, and uh, just give us some background. I'm, I haven't uh, myself been lucky enough to to work on your project, so I'm pretty ignorant of uh, of what you've been doing. I've heard rumors, I've heard um, really good things about uh, what you've been working on, but maybe you guys um, could let us know, uh, uh, you know, like I said, a little bit about who you are and and what you've been working on. And you want to take that? Uh, sure. Um, iHuman, which is our uh, service, our web service, enables students to learn, practice, and be judged proficient in patient assessment 
diagnostic reasoning by simulating a complete medical patient encounter. And that same simulated patient encounter can be used to provide a clinical context for learning and revisiting key basic science concepts. We also provide tools for creating discrete lessons on such topics as virtual microscopy for disciplines like histology and pathology and for understanding medical images and and such. Um, And it's this product line that Relevance was involved in helping us as well as uh, making some very important decisions on our hosting environment and preparing to scale to serve medical students around the world. So if I understand this right, what you have, you know, <laughs> what you have is a, a product where people can actually, I mean, the, the name iHuman is kind of evocative. You, you've got something that you can, that you can use where it's, a, it's software, obviously, and people can go in it and they can, it, it somehow simulates uh, like a, a surgical or diagnostic experience. Like what, what's the, like, if I was using it, what would I see? It's a diagnostic experience, and it's to help students learn to develop a you know discipline um, diagnostic reasoning approach uh, with a patient you know in in more of a a real world like experience so for example, patients don't come in with a you know a succinctly filled out patient chart they come in with a problem. You know, they're having difficulty breathing or they have a fever or whatever. And students need to learn how to work through what the patient presents with to a diagnosis. And um, along the way, they need to learn a lot about the underlying physiology and pathophysiology and anatomy that goes into what what could be um, the disease process for a patient. So they need to learn, um, you know, a lot of discrete um skills along the way and integrate basic science into their reasoning. And so it's this area of um, learning how to um, histology and pathology and learning medical images and those discrete lessons, that it was that aspect of the project that um, Relevance participated in. The um, simulated patient experience is not something that we worked on with Relevance. That's, mm. uh, that's something that that you weren't involved in. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I know that one aspect, and again, I, I wasn't involved, so correct me if I'm if I'm wrong here. But I know that one aspect of um, of the software uh, was uh, involved, like really, really high resolution images. Is that am I wrong about that? No, no, no. That's exactly right. So Jay can tell you more about that. Okay. Yeah. So we have these uh, images, as Anne was talking about, virtual microscopy. We have these images that are scanned by high-resolution scanners. And the old way of doing this was um, the students would uh, look through them uh, under a microscope and uh, you know, look at, zoom in with a, with a physical device to look at these slides. Um, these days, these slides are digitally scanned, but they happen to be multi-gigabyte files. Uh, some of them are three, four-gigabyte files. And so the interesting problem for us was how do you... Uh, where do you store these images, one, and how do you uh, efficiently and with a high performance, um, without any delay, show it to students so that they can zoom, uh, pan these images. And so Relevance worked with us to develop a scheme where we, the students could, or uh, you know, folks who owned the media, could upload this media. The media could be uh, tiled 
uh, in the background and then eventually be incorporated in, um, in a lesson. Uh, so the students can, uh, instructors could create lessons and students can play. The the viewer allows you to uh, pan and zoom uh, tiles, much like you know you 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 pretty much get the experience as if the image is on your computer, mm. but actually it is sitting on um, on a remote server. So I'm I'm kind of picturing something that's a little bit like uh, Google Earth, only instead of looking for my house, I might be looking at my pancreas. <laughs> that that is correct. Okay. Yes. Well, that's very and cool. I, I think very importantly too, there you know might be other places where you can look at these images online, but there there's no uh, educational context for them. Right. And so it's very important that that you're not just randomly looking at images, but there's a lesson around it, and that that the instructor can create that lesson easily um, on their own. And that they can share that lesson um, with the community of medical educators for others to take advantage of, and also that they can um, see they can actually monitor the proficiency of their students. So not just that the students went and looked at a dozen slides, but did the students understand what they were looking at? And by interjecting questions and answers and things that the instructor can track, it really helps. Uh, not only the students, but also the instructor, um, to know where students are struggling and remediation is uh, appropriate. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I was just saying that, uh, reiterating what Ann said, it, it, you know, our, our whole uh, goal is the educational context, as Ann talked about. Just looking at the slide doesn't isn't very interesting. Uh, but putting the educational context around it, what are you looking at and uh, what what you learn from that is important. For example, um, Relevance helped us build uh, a capability where you can put a normal slide and an abnormal slide side by side and ask students to compare. Uh, there is nothing like that today that um, you can you can look at a normal side slide, zoom pan and zoom that, look at the abnormal. Uh, understand with a description what what it is, and then follow that up with a with a question that you can have to answer. Hmm. So, wh what are the sorts? I mean, I, I imagine the answer is you know pretty much whatever you want to upload. But are there are there like particular um, uh, you know regimes where this is useful? I mean, is it like for I can imagine dermatology, but like what are the what sorts of things is this especially useful for? Um, well, histology and pathology are fundamental um, skills that medical students learn. They, they learn to look at tissues and to look at the structures in the tissues and whether the, uh, there's you know, disease process or not. And, then, and how does that relate to you know, an actual patient clinical presentation? Um, there's also, believe it or not, there is uh, not a course in reading medical images. Hmm. Um, you know, students generally pick it up as part of their, you know, kind of clinical rotations, but um, there hasn't really been an opportunity for instructors to really put up a number of images and, um, and uh, 3D reconstructions of various parts of the anatomy. So, so the student learns what they're looking at on a chest X-ray. Um, and they can compare a normal chest X-ray to an abnormal chest X-ray and then also show that in relation to um, a 3D video that shows really, you know, the, the whole anatomy of what's going on with that pathology. But really, so it, there's nothing like, I mean, like when you go to medical school, there's not a, they don't, they don't teach you that. 
there's not really a course called reading medical images hmm. generally. And so, um, and, and instructors really haven't had the ability to, to create lessons um, that they could present to students and, and they, again, you know, monitor, you know, did everybody see these particular images? Did they understand them? Um, were they able to answer questions about them? Is, so is there, is, a, is there an aspect of that that, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to use a word, it's probably the wrong word, but, but it, it comes to my mind, which is um, kind of standardization, not to suggest that it, that, like, that's the right word, but I mean, in the sense of there's sort of basic competency and there was, there's really not, hasn't been a good way to, to sort of say these, you know, you now know these, these six particular things or, I don't know if you get what I'm driving at. No, there's, there's a accreditation bodies and, and various organizations that, you know, have a standard for what medical schools need to do. And there's a whole, you know, testing, um, you know, things that the students have to pass as they go along the way. But in um, there's a lot of change going on in medical education right now. And the, and the AMA is, is very involved in trying to drive some of this change and support the change that, that um, a lot of um, medical schools are going through to make learning um, more what, what's called active learning. Um, not sitting in classrooms being lectured to and then taking a bunch of multiple quizzes, but really trying to get, engage the students in, um, in exercises that have them thinking and, and, um, and analyzing and integrating what they're learning into a clinical context. And so um, as the medical schools are going through this um, big change, they need um, learning tools that are very much oriented towards the content that they're trying to teach. And um, so our products and, uh, our, and the project that Relevance worked on with us um, will help this, these medical schools um, be able to make this um, change to the way they've been teaching. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so we've, I have said this a bunch of times on the show um, before, but... Uh, <laughs> software is about people. We like to say that software is always about people, even like accounting systems, the, the kind of the example we use is being something that is about people, even though it might not seem that way. Um, and, you know, here's another case of software that is very clearly <laughs> about people. Um, uh, that's, go ahead. That's correct. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Um, so <laughs> that said, I'll do a weird segue. And, and I wonder... Um, this is really cool. I, I wonder if I could ask you a little bit about um, some of the technology. I mean, it sounds like one of the challenges you had was, um, you know, just the size of the images and uh, letting people upload kind of arbitrary, uh, you know, their own stuff. Was that was that one of the hard problems that you had to solve in order to do this, or what was the what were the challenges from a technology standpoint? Yeah, that w that was one of the problems. Um, you know, how do you uh, how do you allow people to upload these images? And you know, as you can imagine, you, you know, people are using uh, we're a web uh, web application, which means people all you know people have is a browser, and just, so th we had to work with uh, browser timeout issues. How do you upload uh, and, uh, the image to S3? And we were using we started using a control called PL Upload, uh, and that was initially that was Flash based. Um, it, it, it turned out to be pretty unreliable. Right in the middle of uh, an upload, it would freeze. It would um, 
uh, it would say it was completely done, but would not, uh, you know, go through the next phase of the of the process, uh, etc. Until um, I, I believe it was uh, Russ Russ Olson mm-hmm. figured out that there was a um, a way to do this with HTML5, and at that time Amazon had made that possible. So he rewrote the the um, uh, used HTML5 uh, as the upload uh, control. And that made it extremely reliable. So now we we can we can upload uh, large files, and even with uh, a bit of a network hiccup, it is able to um, to fully upload the file. So so that that was a that was a big challenge. The other big challenge was I I believe the whole okay, once you've got the image up there, um, you know be able to tile it. Uh, and and um, uh, you know, making sure that all the tiles are properly, and then the application can get access. So that whole workflow piece, which uh, I initially Manis worked on, uh, was was pretty good, pretty innovative, I thought. Uh, and so yeah, so those are those are some of the challenges that we had. Yeah, and you guys are using. Uh, you mentioned S three. I think the the workflow stuff. You guys are actually using um, Amazon's uh, workflow service too, right? That is correct. We're using SWF. So this is a lot of, uh, this is a really a very, um, uh, it's a cloud, I mean, it really is truly a cloud computing type product. That is correct, yeah, yeah. How has that been? I mean, what's your experience been kind of moving to that? Uh, maybe it's not a move, maybe it's something you guys have been doing before, but what was your experience with that, you know, just working like with the Amazon Web Services? Um, it's, it was interesting. It was a bumpy road. Uh, initially, you know, going into the project, we we were hosted on, um, on site five, and we uh, we thought that that's where we would continue to use. But we soon realized that we we had always, you know, even before this project, thought that we want to move to something else. And Amazon was one of the choices. Uh, Heroku being another one. And um, but Heroku, you know, obviously it is it is Amazon backed. But we we were not in a hurry to do that. Uh, but Pretty soon in the project, the first few weeks, we realized that we should move to Heroku. Uh, so we started doing that, and then realized that because of uh, you know what Anne was mentioning about our other application, the simulation uh, application, that required uh, Flash assets being uh, uh, get access to Flash assets from a different domain, and uh, Flash is very finicky about that. So we had to struggle with uh, cross-domain authorization of uh, of these assets from Heroku, which took some time. And then uh, at at that point, we made the decision to go pure EC2 and do everything ourselves. Uh, which relevance, of course, helped us to uh, help helped us manage. So it turned out to be a little bit of a bumpy road, but ultimately the result turned out to be pretty good. Uh, you know, high level of automation uh, that uh, the guys have put in place for deployment, provisioning, etc., uh, which I'm, I'm so thankful for because uh, there was, uh, you know, it, it would have been, uh, it would have taken us a long time to get to that level of automation. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, that, so I wonder if you guys would mind if I asked um, just sort of generally about what the, you know, what your experience was working with relevance. I mean, um, it sounds like it went pretty well. <laughs> I mean, do you have? And I'm particularly interested. We, you know, we, you know, I, I think you guys have picked up on the fact that um, we're pretty introspective. We like to think about what we could do better. So I, I'd love to hear from you any feedback you have for us, whether it's positive or, or things that you think we could improve on. 
Um, sure. So, you know, our experience overall has been, uh, was very positive. Uh, the team is uh, very professional, um, very upfront about things that, uh, it, that we could do uh, for our application um, that could improve the whole process. Uh, for example, in the er you know, early couple of weeks into the project, uh, Michael came in and uh, said that, hey, do you mind if I do a facelift of your entire application? Uh, you know, and that he didn't have to do that, but he suggested, and uh, we agreed. And you know, within a week, he had our application face look, uh, a, a new look given to our entire application, not just a piece that Relevance was working on, which was which was pretty good. Um, we liked the fact that developers thought of this as their own project, uh, and um, you know, they they pointed out things that we could do better in other parts of our system. Um, that they helped us with. So overall, the experience was uh, w was pretty good. Um, in terms of you know things that I, also I, I I really like the fact that you know uh, testing was built into the system from uh, from the very beginning. Uh, you know new tests were written every time a new feature was added. Uh, there was of course a trade off of uh, features versus uh, you know how detailed you want uh, testing to be. Uh, I particularly like the whole you know relevance way of doing things. Uh, in terms of pair programming, iteration planning, um, you know, I'm, I've been used to uh, agile development methods in the in the past, but this was a very uh, good experience for me. So all that stuff worked really well. In terms of uh, things that relevance can improve upon, uh, you know, I'd let Anne jump in as well. But a couple of things that I thought of was uh, going into the project, I. I had thought that I would have, uh, you know, we'd have some of our developers working with Relevance uh, throughout the project. And, uh, you know, we tried some of that, but we soon realized that that wasn't going to work. And I think, I guess that was probably because of the way, uh, you know, you guys do pair programming. I would have really loved to see our developers uh, paired with uh, some of uh, Relevance developers. Uh, of course, there's a question of uh, skill set match uh, because you know you guys are highly very experienced um, uh, developers, and some of our developers were still learning. But we had been able to do that, and if we had uh, made the assumption that yes, this is what we are going to do, and there is going to be a, a, a developers from iHuman who are going to work on or pair with relevance developers, and if we had been able to make it work, then I think we would have probably felt. Uh, closer and much better about the whole uh, development process, the code base, etc. Um, right uh, you know, because the code base that Relevance worked on is all known only to Relevance. It's uh, we're going to have a bit of a learning curve to go through that code base and make changes. Gotcha, gotcha. And do you have anything that you'd like to add? Uh, I would also um, agree with. Jay, that it was a very positive experience, and uh, I think you were particularly good at uh, communicating when you had questions. You know, you got to us right away. Um, uh, people, you know, behaved like they really cared about the quality of what they were doing and to make a really meaningful contribution to, you know, our mission. Um, and so I thought that was really good. Um, there were a number of people on the team that you know went up went the extra mile, were up at odd hours of the night, and were in communication with us on, uh, on Skype. 
So I really, I think we really enjoy just, you know, the, the quality of the people, their attitude, um, and just, you know, collaborating with them. Um, and then I would also agree with, uh, with Jay, I wish we could have been paired up more. Um, and I think also, um, at the beginning of the project, um, you know, and again, it's one of these things you don't, you don't know until you really get in there, but I think that it, the amount of work and the difficulty was underestimated. Um, and that caused us some issues. Um, and I think, I don't know if, if, you know, the better thing would have been to spend another week really digging in and understanding um, kind of what was under the covers of some of these issues, if that would have helped. Um, but I've, I've just found in general, people, you know, when they kind of look initially at, uh, at our world, they say, oh, you know, educational software, you know, they think, oh, throw some pictures up on the screen with some, you know, some questions and, it, you know, how hard can that be? And they don't really realize how many little piece parts are involved in creating a really um, great education um, experience that's you know goes end to end from a an instructor who's got you know knowledge about medicine but is not a computer programmer but wants to create a lesson so it has to be very very easy to create a lesson on the on their topic um, it has to be a very easy experience for the student and it has to be something that then gets reported on by the instructor. And all of this has to live in a cloud where you've got lots of different universities all collaborating together, but you also need to have little sandboxes around who gets to see what. So, you know, it sounds like a, a big fat nothing application when you first look at it, but then when you really dig into it, you realize how, how much really is there that has to be done sure. very well. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, maybe spending more time up front really understanding kind of what was under the covers of this may have contributed to not being so far off on our estimate. It's funny, I, you know, I, I, so first of all, thank you very much for the feedback we take. I, I hope. I hope that your experience with relevance um, has, you know, led you to, to see that we do take that sort of thing super seriously and we always try to improve. So thanks a ton. We really appreciate that. I, I will say that um, uh, in case you're not aware, like <laughs> the stuff you're talking about has been very much um, been going around um, at internal conversations we've had lately. I mean, we're always talking about, um, you know, I'm sure you guys did project retros and we've talked about those on other episodes of the show before. We have, uh, we have whole company retros too. And uh, this exact topic has come up, you know, how, how can we get better? Do we need to structure our iteration zero process uh, differently so that we can get better results for cases where, you know, um, spending more time understanding at the front would result in, in, better, um, in better results? So I super appreciate your feedback, and it is definitely stuff that we're thinking about it. So thanks a ton for that. Yeah, I, I do feel that, you know, if we had taken maybe a week more, uh, to understand a little more about the application, because I mean, you know, our application is different. Education software, especially the way we are doing it, is is quite different. And so, uh, hopefully, some of these things that we ended up spending time on, um, you know, could have been surfaced earlier. But I, I I do feel that you know there were certain things that we hadn't planned that came on to the project, and that you know it took us by surprise. 
um, you know, moving moving to EC2 was a was a big deal. We hadn't planned on that as part of this project, but so, um, but I guess you know some of these things to, to think about them early on would have would have really helped. Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. Oh, you know, over, overall, I, I I do feel that the the professionalism shown by uh, the developers was was really really good. Uh, we really like that. Well, and I know that they, I know that Tevin talked to some of the team members briefly about this before talking to you guys. I know that they, uh, they really enjoyed the project. And, and as you say, like, uh, the, the sense of ownership, um, it was definitely there. Like, you know, that's, in fact, I, th- I think it's fair to say that's how we like to work. We like to, to come on and really feel like, um, you know, like it's, it's our problem too. I mean, obviously it's, you know, your business and your product, but, um, but to really feel, you know, yeah, this is this is cool. We're all pointed in the same direction. That's totally how we how we like to work. And uh, having talked to some of the team members, I know that they were there. And 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 you know, that's a, a credit to you guys. I know that you were you were uh, easy to work with. And and by the way, I'm I'm supposed to uh, to say uh, thanks for the wine and cheese. Uh, oh, <laughs> sure so, thing. Yeah. Um, the 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 other point that I wanted to make was uh, the things that that went right and made me more comfortable with with the team was the, the fact that. Um, you know, initially we created some uh, user interface mockups that we went, you know, iterate uh, over to before implementation started. But then we got it to a point where sometimes um, we hadn't looked at all aspects of user interface. Oh, should we put this button here? Would it be? Uh, would the layout look much better if we did it this way, and so on and so forth? Uh, and you know, it, it got to a point where I started to. The first intuition that developers had um, turned out to be right. You know, they would they would put a comment in the card saying, "Hey, you know, I I think this sh- it should be done this way. Uh, give us feedback." And uh, it got to a point where I started to feel more comfortable with their intuition and their approach to the interface, mm. which which I thought was very very good, and I I, I liked that. So I didn't have to. Um, I or N didn't have to weigh in on every little uh, user interface uh, issue, because as as N said, you know, it is very critical that this is of um, sort of idiot proof in terms of uh, authoring as well as playing, uh, more so authoring than playing. Uh, but it turned out to be, you know, we we started to trust um, uh, some of the concepts that uh, developers came up with. Cool. That's good to hear. There are definitely people here, a lot of people here that uh, uh, I know you've worked with. Uh, I know you've worked with at least Michael from the design team, but uh, I think we have a fair number of um, of developers who uh, you know care deeply about design and the fact that other companies might even be considered designers. So um, yeah, Michael, Jen, um, both of them uh, as, as part of the design team uh, were pretty good. Um, and yeah. I would also say that Sam. Oh yeah. You know, he's not a designer, but he he pointed out a number of things, and he was like, "This isn't right. We've got to make it right." And we really appreciated that's that. Correct. You know, thinking all the way down, you know, down the food chain from design down to the super geeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sam, Ryan, um, awesome guys to work with. Uh, Larry, of course, who left us in the middle of the project, but you know, we enjoyed working with him as well. And everyone, and, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some some people. Yeah, and Russ, and we had at one point we had quite a large team during kind of a crunch time, and um, we didn't get to know those guys as well. But you know, they they were right in there. They had their sleeves rolled up, so we really appreciated that. 
yeah, Luke, Gabriel, um, yeah. Cool. It was good. Um, so I wonder if I could ask you a little bit about um, retros, because we've, we've talked on other episodes of the show about um, project retros, and of course, um, you know, we experience them from our side. It, it can be, I've found at least in, in working with customers that, um, that they, they tend to really like uh, the retro uh, retrospectives that we do, um, but that if they haven't done anything like that before, that the first, the first few can be really kind of surprising and, and something that's significantly different. I, I wonder if that was the case for you guys, or if, or if you had done something like that before, or if you found them as a useful tool, or what your generally what your experience was. I I've done retros before, so I knew what to expect. Um, one thing that did surprise me during the retro was uh, there were times when. Uh, issues came up, uh, developers would point up issues that I didn't think existed. And that was a, that was a surprise uh, because I, I felt, uh, you know, a pleasant surprise in the sense that they were thinking of uh, the project uh, as their own and bringing up issues that, uh, you know, I probably would not have thought of. Uh, for example, reducing the tech debt or doing some more design work uh, uh, up front, uh, et cetera, that came up in a couple of retros was uh, was very good. Uh, I I wish we had done a retrospective after every iteration, but we were moving at such a high pace that um, that it, it didn't allow that you know that there just wasn't enough time to sure. get it together for for an hour or so to do retro. Um, but uh, but my my experience overall for the retro was was positive. Cool. Yeah, I like I, that's actually one of the you, the thing you mentioned is one of the things I like about retros too is that uh, is that you know you may have things in the back of your mind, um, but they just don't come up at stand up, and so having that space to sort of uh, sit down and go let's let's get a chance to just sort of put everything out there that we that we're thinking about, and 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 at least you know I always you know we oftentimes say at the beginning of a retro, you know what is your desired outcome for the retro, and and mine is is just. I just want to hear what everybody's thinking, <laughs> just mm-hmm. so that we all know what everybody else has on their mind. So, yeah, that, I, I've had the same experience that you did. Yeah. Cool. Well, so uh, what's next for you guys? I mean, where, how 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 is everything going? And and uh, you know, where are you? What are you excited about? I, mean, I, want, to, I want to hear more about this this uh, product. It sounds really cool. And what kind of what's uh, what's the future look like for you guys at this point? Well, I think we have, as 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 we talked about earlier, you know, we have. We have a lot of stuff to do uh, for this project, the project that Relevance worked on. Uh, we have a lot of features that we couldn't get implemented, <coughs> uh, could, couldn't couldn't uh, finish, and so we have um, we have to that pick up. Well, we have to pick that up and implement those features. Uh, we did get uh, you know talking about media, we did get uh, uh, video files in there, but we have other media files that we need to um, get in our media library. Uh, we have to improve our lessons. So, and you know, once customers start using that uh, in large volume, then we'll know uh, what issues they they run into. So we have we have all that stuff to do. Uh, so it's it's going to keep us busy for for a while. Yeah, we are shooting for you know next academic year to to be ready for a rock solid product. Oh wow, that's coming up quick then. Yeah. Cool. And we also have other, you know, our our patient uh, simulator and that sort of thing are full tilt as well. So we're busy. <laughs> so I, can I, I know it wasn't something that, it, or at least I, I believe I understand that it wasn't something that we worked on together, but that patient, the, the patient simulator piece sounds interesting. I wonder if you could describe that to me 
a little bit so I can understand that too. Oh, okay. Um, well, it's it's uh, a, a product that lets um, authors, clinical instructors, create a complete patient encounter. So um, when you go uh, go through a patient workup or assessment, you start with a, a history. So you'll talk to the patient and ask them questions about you know what their complaints are and what their prior medical history, et cetera. And then you perform a physical exam. And then you go through, as you're um, you know, asking the patient questions and performing exams, you start to formulate a list of problems that the patient has. So they're, they have a fever, they have a cough, they're tired, they're whatever their list of problems are. Uh, they're, they're, they have a prior history of diabetes. Um, and then you start to say, well, what do I think could be going on with this patient? And there's a very structured way that students can learn to think through uh, and propose hypotheses for what, what could be the disease, the underlying disease process going on with this patient. And then once they have that list of hypotheses, they need to prioritize. So do they think this is a highly likely one or not? Is this one that if they, if they miss it, you know, could be very detrimental to the patient, could be, you know, cause death? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, once you have those, that list, that's in, in medical terminology, that's called your differential. Um, then you start to order tests or, or perform you know, additional exams, et cetera, to um, rule in or rule out certain uh, diagnoses. And then at, at the end of you know, having a diagnosis, then you have to have a management plan, a treatment plan. You know, what, are you gonna order surgery or medicines or you know, change of behavior or you know, what are you gonna do to try to help the, the patient with their, with their diagnosis, their problem? And so uh, what we do is we provide a tool for clinical instructors to author these cases that's very, um, you know, intuitive and easy. They can, it's basically filling in forms that let them say, you know, what are going to be the patient's answers to the history questions? What are going to be the presentation of the exam findings? How are their vital signs going to be presented? And many of these um, these things are actually simulated. So you can actually pump up the blood pressure cuff and have to read the dial, or you can actually perform an ocular motor uh, test to see if a patient patient can follow your finger um, and various things like that. And then interspersed in that, we can also have um, exercises less, you know, um, that have to do with the basic sciences. So, you know, if there's something uh, in particular like that you might see on a chest x-ray that has some underlying um, concepts of how, you know, um, oxygen, you know, moves across the alveoli, then you can actually have like a little exercise that's, that's attached to that um, aspect of the case and ask a bunch of questions about, you know, the underlying science, um, have them look at additional images that, you know, would show different pathologies, maybe put in some, you know, histology um, slides in there, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that product is, um, you know, goes, you know, soup to nuts for a patient encounter from a complaint to diagnosis. That sounds super cool. I mean, I especially I like, I just love the image of, you know, doing the, uh, you know, follow your finger um, exercise and just like the, just that's just, that seems really, really cool. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it, well, just, one it, thing, go ahead. One thing we try to do with, um, with our simulator is there are some things that, you know, are, 
that a computer really can help somebody learn. They're called, you know, psychomotor skills. So, for example, if you're going to intubate a patient, you know, you just need to intubate a patient. Mm. You know, you need a mannequin or you need, you know, there are some skills that you really need um, to do in the, in the real world. There's, no, you know, there's no substitute on a computer. But what a computer can help with are things that involve the thinking process, the diagnostic reasoning process. And, and in some cases, the computer can help you um, learn how to perform an exam. So, for example, you know, if you shine a light in someone's eyes to actually watch how the pupil responds, that is something that you know, a computer can help with. Um, and, and very particularly, though, is the whole thinking process, because that's something that's very difficult to learn. You know, if somebody says, I have a cough, what's the first thing you should ask them? And then if they say, uh, say you, uh, you, uh, you ask them, well, how long have you had the cough? And they say, well, for three weeks. Okay, is that, what do you ask next? You know, what do you do with that information? And it's, it's that, that process, that thinking process, that's, that's difficult to learn. And students need to have a lot of practice um, to get good at it. And, and a computer can present them with lots and lots and lots of practice, lots of cases and lots of patients to talk to and lots of problems to think through. Is, is, so is that the sort of thing, I mean, that's really, really interesting. Is that the sort of thing that, um, you know, happens in medical school right now? Like, is there a, is there a lot of education that goes on not using computers right now for how to, you know, walk through that process? Or is it this something that well, one of the things in, in medical school is they'll do what's called, there are a couple different things they do, actually. Uh, one thing they do is they'll, they'll use what's called a paper case. And a paper case basically is, you know, somebody's written a, a document that's printed on paper, and it, it frequently gives the student a lot of information right up front. They'll say, you know, a 46-year-old female uh, presents with, you know, with a cough and a fever for three weeks, um, you know, has a prior history of asthma, blah, 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 blah. And, and so they're basically given all this information right up front. And so they never got any practice in how do you get the information, you know, to begin with. Um, so one of the things that, that they're trying to do is, you know, to simulate really, you know, a real patient encounter. Patients don't show up with a little chart all filled out with all that information. You know, you have to know to ask, do you have a prior history of asthma, um, et cetera. And so, um, so, you know, those paper cases have kind of limited ability, but those are used in medical schools. They also have what's called a standardized patient. A standardized patient is where, where you hire an actor, actually, to pretend to be a patient with a particular problem and then students are you know will encounter those and you can imagine that you know students only see a limited number of those those are very expensive to do because sure. you have to hire an ac actor you have to have a facility that looks like a clinic and have the person be in the clinic and they videotape them and you know that's an excellent learning tool but um, you only have a limited number of those that you can can see. And then, of course, in the, in, uh, the third year <clears throat> of medical school, you go into what's called a clerkship. And, and you're basically, you have rotations in various disciplines, um, you know, it could be surgery or family practice or emergency medicine or whatever, and you actually follow a clinician around. And then the whatever the clinician is seeing, you know, whatever patient 
presents, that's what the student gets to see. And they, you know, and they follow this um, clinician around and, 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 you know, depending on the clinician's schedule and the amount of time, they will obviously explain things to the students. But um, clinicians are under a lot of pressure now to see more patients because we, um, you know, we have a shortage of, of qualified physicians in, the, in this uh, country. And so it's harder for a clinician to really spend a lot of time, you know, asking the student, you know, what questions and, and explaining things and that sort of thing because they need to be seeing patients. Um, and it's also true that, um, you know, depending on when you did your rotation in pediatrics, you may or may not have seen certain diseases because in the wintertime you see lots of colds mm. and, and flu, but in the summer maybe you see different things. Sure, and so, poison ivy or something. Exactly. And so part of the problem is how do you, how do students, how are you sure that all the students saw the top 10 common diseases? Right. You know, you just don't know. Um, and so you, there's no control over being sure that that you know that students have been exposed to a certain number of cases, of certain types of cases, et cetera, et cetera. And right. obviously, with a computer that can simulate those kinds of experiences, you can be sure that everybody saw, you know, five cases of chest pain. Right. You know, yeah. that, that resulted in different disease, um, you know, uh, diagnoses. Well, I think you've said much better what I was sort of vaguely fumbling my way around around standardization, right? It's more like... More like in my world, we would think of that as test coverage, right? Like, how do you hit all the cases, right. as you're saying? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's very cool. That's that's super, super cool. I I did not really, I mean, I'd heard, oh, yeah, we're working we're working with iHuman, where, you know, they have this, this software, but that is just, that's really awesome. I'm I'm very glad that this stuff exists and that you, you guys are, are moving it forward, and I super appreciate you telling me about it. Um, uh, that said, um, is, is there anything? I mean, I'm sure we could talk forever about this. Is there, is there, is there anything else we've missed? I mean, is there anything else we should we should talk about uh, that I did that I, questions I didn't ask you that we should cover before we go? Because I know you guys are obviously very very busy. As you said, you've got a huge list of, of features. I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I, you know, what else should we should we talk about if anything? Well, I think one thing that I um, I forgot to mention in terms of you know our experience with relevance is um, I thoroughly enjoyed working with uh, Naoko. She was my uh, interface uh, to the rest of the team. And, uh, you know, whenever we had an issue, um, whenever I uh, had an issue or I had a question, I would reach out to her and she'd find a way for for us to uh, solve that problem. And whenever she had, she felt that there was uh, something that uh, we needed to discuss or something that she saw from the team, some you know, something that team may be concerned about, or whatever team may have in, been internally talking about that I needed to know about, she would immediately reach reach out to me. Um, and you know, initially when we when we realized that uh, we had too much on our plate, uh, she worked very hard with uh, the management team there uh, and us to get us to a point that um, where we felt comfortable. Um, you know, going forward in terms of the number of people, uh, how we would manage priorities, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, kudos to to Naoko for making us uh, feel uh, feel at ease. Yeah, Naoko is so for the for our listeners that don't know, Naoko is uh, is one of our coaches. We've talked about the the coach role in the past, but and uh, I myself have been lucky enough to be uh, on uh, a team that Naoko was coaching for, and uh, yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> All of our coaches are awesome, but I I haven't I have enjoyed working with Naoko for sure. So yeah, second you there. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. Anything else? Um, no, that's it. I, uh, you know, it's been it's been a great experience. We've learned a lot from a process perspective from Relot, uh, and I I feel a lot better that you know as I talked about the, all the automation that's been put together in terms of uh, uh, provisioning deployment. Uh, you know, that's made our life uh, easier. Great. Well, cool. Uh, so I have to thank you both very, very much for coming on. I, I, like I said, we you obviously are clearly very busy, so we super appreciate you guys coming on. I know when we talked, um, we had talked internally. We said, you know, we really, we really have to have a, a customer on the show because that's such an important part of what we do. Um, you know, when we kicked around ideas for different people we could talk to, and we're lucky that we have a wealth of customers that um, you know we could talk to and have a great conversation with, but. Uh, but you know, when I talk to Justin, he's like, "Yeah, we have to talk to iHuman." So I, I, I super appreciate you coming on. I think uh, the stuff you're doing is just really, really interesting. And uh, as you move forward into next year, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be really interested to, to to track your guys' success as you as you deploy the the stuff we worked on together. It'd be great to hear about how that's going. So uh, maybe we'll have to have you back on the podcast in a in another few months to hear about uh, how everything went at that point. Sure, I'd love to. Great. So thanks again very, very much for coming on. It's been really interesting talking to you and, uh, and wish you the best of luck and really looking forward to hearing about your success. So uh, thanks a lot, Anne, and thanks a lot, Jay. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. And thanks to yep. all the listeners for listening, and we will catch you next time on Think Relevance, the podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you.